All right, folks, welcome back to the podcast, One Man, One Tree on the Hill. I'm your host, two-time wrestling champion, stand-up comedian, Jared Waters. This podcast is sponsored by Frontline Roofing and Restoration. If you have a roof and it needs to be inspected and needs some restoration, call Frontline Roofing and Restoration, ladies and gentlemen. Their number is 513-375-7050. And if you want to email them, it's frontline.roof at gmail.com. If you want to go to their website, it's www.frontlineroofingohio.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, wild week, wild week. We're going to be answering these emails that you guys sent because a lot of your emails are about my what happened huh, Saturday night and emails out. A lot of questions about my friend Jenny. Oh, Jenny, uh, she lives in Odessa, Texas, and uh, it's really dope to talk to someone that that you know. Like sometimes when you talk to people from that you haven't spoken to a long time, they unlock memories that you forgot about. And there were just plenty of times, I think, in life that we do, people that we went to high school with or people that we've shared memories with, um, that we just probably just click a picture and just like, oh, I guess they're doing well, instead of being like, oh, man, I'm glad I have this podcast to just sit down. And a lot of my friends that went to high school with me was like, you, I never knew she was going through that. And the people who probably knew that she was going through that were probably her immediate close friends. And for her to be honest and share that moment about her father was amazing. Uh, so if you guys know anybody with substance abuse, contact Al-Anon. And uh, it was good. She was always she was always just super smart in high school, super smart. Her and her crew, super smart people there in charge of uh, the, the the newspaper. The newspaper, I just did a, a podcast with my other friend. And then when I told her, you know, Jenny was the editor. And she goes, oh, my God, freak, what? And then... Uh, and I was, yeah, so I remember when she did it, she was like our first TMZ, TMZ, and that's so dope that she's in the business now, and uh, and her story about about like being mentored and stuff like that, her dating, finding a little booski, and I saw him. Uh, I don't like dropping the videos. I like only doing audio. Audio is a whole lot better. I think you focus more when you listen to a person's voice. You can get distracted by stuff like that. Very cute man, uh, long long beard, long amazing beard. And they met through Trey Songs, ladies and gentlemen, and that's dope. Uh, she doesn't want to be contacted, so <laughs> so when you guys email me, like, what is she up to now? Uh, you can follow her on Instagram. We tagged her on Instagram if you want to follow her, and just hit her up if you're ever in Odessa, Texas, and you're going to a concert. She's probably the one that made it look so amazing. So that's my friend uh, Jenny Von Doren, and hopefully we get some more people now. We hopefully we get some more people. It's just good talking to a friend. So just imagine when she starts having kids. And they start having kids. They can realize, like, yo, my grandmother, this is her thoughts in 2020. This is how her life was. And you get that, you know? Uh, but, yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting week, wild week. Uh, this this week, uh, my family, we've been, like, we've, like, this whole past, like, the past week and a half, we've been praying. My grandfather, he was, like, been sick with COVID. I'll come back to that. And uh, Monday, Monday, uh, a lot of great shows on Monday. And uh, so Monday, but Sunday I did the show, I forgot, Sunday I did the show, Eastfield Comedy Club, it was the first store, first show inside in New York. So it was good, it was good, people socially distanced, it was cool, show was good, and it was my friend Peter Ravello's birthday, wish him happy birthday, and then that was a good show, and Monday we did the Classic Car Lounge, Classic Car Lounge, it's a show ran by my guys Dan Davies and Matt Pavich, Pavich. 
Good guys. Good guys. Dope show. Uh, I went there last time. Dan told me to hang out. I was hanging out last time, and we saw Ray Lewis. Like I said last time, I saw Ray Lewis. But today I was on the show, so I was like, oh, freak. Today I'm going to make sure that I'm going to make Ray Lewis laugh. So it was Ray Lewis, Thomas Jones, uh, other dude in the NFL, I forgot, but I remember their faces. And the thing about this show, what's amazing, it's in a classic car lounge. So there's nothing but Ferraris wrapped around. There's Hummers, there's Beamers, Bentleys, classic cars. And Ray Lewis is sitting to the right in like a little section, but he has a TV on. But he's not interrupting the show. He's just watching the TV with his boys and he's listening to jokes. And he'll put, peep his head over if something's funny and do his head up. So Petey's on the show. Tobin Miller's on the show. That's my guy, Tobin Miller, Rosebud, me, and I, I forgot. But we're doing the show. Petey does well. But I know. I was like, well, I'm trying to see what Ray Lewis is laughing about. And I forgot. And I remember. I was like, oh, Ray Lewis is from Lakeland, Florida. Freak, I got to make a Florida joke, right? So I changed my setup to do a Florida joke. And I see him laughing. I see him laughing. I see Thomas Jones laughing. And then after the bit goes really well, I was like, you make me want to do the squirrel up here. And he throws his fingers up. Cool. So one of my good friends, her name is Jessica Clayton. We're freaking, that's that's my homie. And uh, she's from Baltimore. So she texts her dad, <laughs> Ray Lewis is here. And he writes her back, I miss him. <laughs> and he writes her back, I miss him too. So me and Jessica are talking. I was like, listen, Jessica, what's going to happen is, I said, like, look, we're going to meet Ray Lewis. After the game, I promise you, we can't rush him right now because he's at the game watching those boys. I said, but I promise you, after the game, Ray Lewis, so we'll, we'll get a chance to meet Ray Lewis and get a picture, I promise. Right? And she goes, you know, I said, I promise. So all of a sudden, show's over, everyone's chatting it up, the game's over, and Ray Lewis is leaving. Right? He's leaving, and he turns, and I'm sitting in the chair, and he throws his head up. I throw my head up, and he starts walking towards me, and I said, Jessica, take out your phone, take out your phone, take out your phone, start recording right now. She goes, what? I said, take it out. So she records as we fist bump, and he goes, thanks for the laughs. And I was like, no, I appreciate you, big dog. And I said, Florida boys. And then I said, hey, man, I know you got to go, but can I trouble you for a picture? He goes, sure, no problem, because he had his mask off. No disrespect, but he did. And uh, he goes, uh, yeah, 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 let's step in the light. It's kind of dark out here. We're too dark. So we laugh. We share a laugh. And I was like, yeah, I appreciate what you've done for the culture. And then my friend Jessica gets a picture. And then... That's, that's the start of my week. So my dad's like, I'm hitting my dad up. I was like, yo, freak. And the thing about comics are, which is going to call back to what's happening this week. The thing about comics are some comics don't know how to stop being comedians, right? So they're like sitting there like putting stabbing emojis and stuff like that. I, did he ask him, did he really do it? I was like, freak, man, he was nice enough to take a picture. I'm not going to ask him, did he kill anybody? Freak, I don't care. <laughs> so that was Monday night. That was Monday night. Tuesday I did this. This corporate Zoom, you know, this company hit me up like, can you do a, a a Zoom show? I was like, sure, I'll do that one. And then after that, I went to my friend Love's show, which is cool. He does this show, you know, Hazley Street. Hazley Street, I go down there, network a little bit, hop on that show. And then Wednesday is our day, Training Day Comedy. Training Day Comedy is a show we do every Wednesday night in Astoria Park. It's the safest park in New York City. Uh, we've never had any homeless people there. Not saying that your park isn't safe for homeless people, but I just noticed there's no homeless people there. And when we get to the park, I'm like, it's 10 o'clock at night, and we just see couples walking by, people just drinking. It's like a really chill park, so we do our show there, right there by the pools. We're out there barking, and then we're barking just to get people in, and we get a nice little crowd. And Gina Brion's on the show. Gina Brion is a wonderful stand-up comedian. She's like our OG. She... 
Like, she's done everything. She had an HBO special. She has an Amazon special. But I met her in Long Island. Uh, she was just hanging out with her best friend, James Goff. And James does a show. And then we tell Gina about the show. And we wipe down everything because Gina just had a baby. And this is what I'm talking about, about hungry comedians. We see this woman walking in the park. She has her hat on, so it's hard to like recognize her a little bit. I was like, hey, free comedy show. You can bring your baby free comedy. So just making a small joke. And she goes, oh, it's, oh, freak, that's Gina. And she goes, hey, yeah, where's the show at? It's up there. I said, like, but I don't know if you could push your stroller. And her husband goes, no problem. So she's playing with her baby. And then she goes, if I can go up early. I said, like, of course, we'll get you up early. We're just going to put a comic in front of you to warm it up a little bit so you can get the best crowd. And uh, she goes up and freaking smashes it. Just beats the piss out of this crowd. Bang, 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 bang. Just a professional and I was like, Gina, like, we appreciate you. And, like, anytime you want to come by, you know, you got the toll road. Like, because Gina Brion is one of those comedians that is successful but will take the time to talk to you. You know, she'll never make you feel like you're beneath her. She'll make you feel like a comedian. Like, she'll just sit there and talk with you and stuff like that. So Gina did well. Uh, Daniel Vesda and Santiago, they run the show called Take It Outside Comedy. And uh, they were on they were on their game, man. Because usually when you're hosting a show, you can't really get out bits. You know, and they do the show every they do the show three times a week, so it's hard you, when you get repeat people coming. You want to use fresh material, but for our show, these boys were hitting. They're using the greatest hits, hitting hard. My friend Trina Alper, uh, that's my baby, man. She freaking had a great. We told her to do. I told her I'd light her eight minutes, but she did like twelve. <laughs> she blew the light at twelve minutes, but I was like, "F it, she's having a good set," you know. And uh, Ronnie Lordi, uh, he does well. And my friend, his name is Derek Humphreys. Derek Humphreys, he's uh, one of the guys that I came up with, and we always talk about the business and what we see, and we always pass work to each other. And he comes, and I tell a lot of comedians, just come to the show, man. Don't worry about it. Cause I was talking to this comic uh, of mine, and I was like, what's up, man? He goes, dude, I live next to the show. I was like, then just come by. He goes, I felt weird. I felt weird and awkward, like, going to the show. I was like, dude, we're homies, man. Why can't you just come by? Just come through, man. Yeah, I just, I was like, dude, man, the freak, man, we're boys, just come by the show. I felt like it was like a cool, a cool thing, like cool kids come to the party. I'm like, yo, get the F out of here with that cool kids. We're all stand-up comics, man. Like, if you rock with me, come by the show. Support the show. Like, when I'm not on a stand-up show, I'll go by a show that I really want to be on and support it. I'll go early, you know, I'll support it. If someone drops out, I'll take the spot. But it's just like, yo, I don't, we want me to freaking reach out to you? There's 3,000 comics out here. And some of the comics, I don't even know if they're still in the city. So I was like, yo, just come by the show. So we do that, and it's really a good show. And my girl, her name is Kamen Nadu. And when I say she's the funniest comedian in New York City that people don't know, she hails from South Africa. Thick accent, and I think it's because she's in a relationship as well. So when comics are in love, they're a whole lot ha happier. But we're talking about colorism and stuff like that. And then our guy, Mark Gregory, closes the show. Mark Gregory is... The Apprentice of Dick Gregory, the iconic legend. So Mark Gregory is a freaking beast. He closed out the show. We just have a really good night. We vibe out in the park. We take donations. And we didn't really get that many donations. We pass it back to the comics when we can. And then we get to Thursday. So Thursday, what happens is Thursday, we're, uh, you know, stand-up comedy shows. Uh, a lot of people, the show that I had got canceled. It was in Long Island. And I was happy because I didn't feel like going all the way out to Long Island. So I was like, all right, I can go to the city. So I go to my friend Tobin Miller's show. 
And Monday night, me and Tobin Miller are on the same show at the Classic Car Lounge, and I was talking to him about this comic named Jared. He's a young comedian named Jared. And he reminds me, so him and Matthew Arvella remind me of myself because they're young. They're not 23 yet, and I was young doing stand-up comedy as well. And I know, you're partying, you're having fun, you're making long-lasting memories. But I told him, I was like, when I was young, man, I was always trying to get on. So he goes to a show, and the reason why I like young comedians is because they they don't feel the pressure of, of, of disappointment because they'll just ask anybody for a spot, and they don't get a spot. They're like, okay, no problem. Uh, can't get a spot. Can I get some time? Can I get some time? And when you're a seasoned comedian, you feel bad because when you don't get time, you feel like your your pride is hurt a little bit. Like, dang, maybe they don't. You're in your head. So I get to the show, and a comedian's running late. So I just happen to get there. I'm, like, late anyways. I'm coming. And Jared, he goes, Jared, you want to go up? Little Jared. Little Jared goes up. I was like, hey, man, Lord, I tell you, I told you it could happen. He go up, a little shaky, but he gets through, gets through the set. Good set. Then dude Ian Finance goes up. And I see Tobin still looking at his phone. He goes, oh, man, this comic's running late. And uh, he's the last comic. Jared, can you go up? I said, that's the best thing you ever said, sir. Boom. I go up. I uh, go Super Saiyan 2, not 3. Super Saiyan 2, then I go to 4. Because it's a... Uh, if I would rank the shows, I think Tobin Miller has one of the best shows in the pandemic, he has 120 people in a park, and they're spread out. Everyone's socially distanced, and everyone's laughing. He got lights and speakers. Yeah, my show is more. Int- my show is uh for like, my show is more for like families, because <laughs> everyone that come is like a family person. Someone's like a single man, or we're getting like random couples are in the park. But this one is just like young people trying to have a good time. Uh entrepreneurs and stuff like that. So I do really well. And I want to do well in front of this comedian. And then as I do that, uh, I get the news that my grandfather passed away, right? And uh, I'm not I'm not heartbroken. It's sad, you know what I mean? I'm, you know, I'm checking in on my mother. I'm checking in on my cousins and stuff like that. And my uncles, they're very sad. But it was kind of, because he dealt with COVID. So my grandfather caught COVID uh and he avoided all of the, you know, the stuff. You know, he's a bishop, so he, he's interacting with people. He wears his mask. He caught COVID, but he's in his 80s. You know, when you're in your 80s, you know, it's that that type of virus. You know, it, it affects the older, the, the elder people. And he gets sick, and he does better. And then the nurse asks him, like, "Do you want anything?" And this is him coming out of his like conscious state, and he goes, "I want to plant seeds. I just want to get outside and plant seeds." And some people say seeds are. Uh, like a symbolism of like planting new plants, you know what I mean, of the seeds that you planted throughout your life. And uh, then he goes to a ventilator, and our cousins, we get on a Zoom call, and, you know, everybody's effed up. My mom's praying, but my mom, you can tell she's sad. And because my grandfather, he was, him and his, him and my grandmother, they adopted a lot of kids, like tons of kids. So they gave kids a place to stay that didn't have, like, any place to stay. They had, like, pretty much a foster care home. So he has kids, and then he has, like, more kids spread out. So my cousins and cousins, you know, these are these are cousins that, you know, are leaving from, you know, different households and stuff like that. And my uncles are from, like, different households. So they, they need their, that's their world. And I get it. 
But sometimes I think as as a man, I'm I'm looking at him. And I'm like, man, when you know you're going to heaven, dog, nothing is, this world is beneath you. You know, you served, you did, you gave your life to servitude and everything else. And I was like, man, you, you're great, you know. So I prepared myself for it. A little sad, like being on the train and stuff like that. But I was like, well, I got to finish the show. Actually, I did the show before. I got the news before the comedy show. And I was like, F it, I'm about to get up and do stand-up. Because... Freak, what am I gonna do? I can't stay home. Oh, I'm gonna stay home and be sad. Like, who wants to hear that? You know, I his job on earth was to preach the gospel. My job is to make people laugh. Two different types of ministry. You know what I mean? Laughter is like a good dose of medicine, and that's what I'm called to earth to do. So I'm doing that. <clears throat> so it's good. So I'm chatting up my family, my cousin, some stuff like that. They're doing okay. So I just stream the funeral and. You know, God bless. I just think uh, I have some good memories. I have some memories of him as I'm coming to North Carolina. I remember I was driving through North Carolina to get to New York, and I asked him, I asked him, uh, I said, uh, I said, uh, I got some room in New York City if you want to come, because he's asking why I'm moving to New York. I said, like, to be a stand-up comedian. I was like, I already am one, but I want to be a bigger and better one. And he goes, okay. I said, like, I got some room in my car. You want to come with me? He's, oh no, I'm a country boy at that. This is it right here. No, 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 no. Too much for you. Too much for me. <laughs> Too much for me. I'm a country boy now. Country boy, country boy now. In the corner at that. <laughs> now I go, hey, no, no, no. A country boy at that. So he used to tell it this. What's up, Pete? Hey, Pete. What's up, Snapper Jagger? What's up? What's up with you, Snapper Jagger? Okay. What's up, Big Shot? What's up with you, boy? He was like that. So he's a bishop. So, you know, all the time, like, people always calling you with their problems. Pray for me this, pray for me that, pray for me this, pray for me that. And he married my grandmother when he was 16 years old. They've been in, in love for over 61 years. And I remember they had their renewal of their vows on their 50th anniversary, and they had a wedding because my grandmother not a, never had a wedding. So she got a white dress. She had a crown, beautiful dress, and he had a white suit on, and I was in the wedding. I was a groomsman. At all the grandkids, I was a groomsman. But I really think one of my cousins uh, got in trouble, and I just happened to fit the suit. So we're out there, and he's sitting there talking. This is, I remember, vivid memory. And we're all, all men of different ages. He's 70-something, like 10 years ago, 70-something. And all these men are sitting there. Some are married, some are not. And he goes, you know what, boys? He goes, I married the first woman. Well, he didn't say the first woman. He goes, at 16, I got married. And at 16, I knew the girl that I was looking at was a woman I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. So I don't get nervous. I'm happy to see that woman walk down the aisle and give her something that she never got to get. And that was a wedding. And make sure you boys take care of your women and well. And make sure you treat them and give them the utmost respect. And worship the ground they walk on. He's saying that. And he goes, you know, he looks over at me. And this is when everyone's inside this. We're in the back area of a church. And he said, uh, you know the reason why I married, uh, got married at 16, Jared? I said, because y'all didn't have technology and you couldn't see what was out there. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone busts out laughing. I think that's when he realized, like, oh, this boy's sharp. And he, he laughed a little bit, laughed a little bit. But it was good. Like, I had a good relationship with him. I would call my grandmother and call, talk to him, and we'd say hi and byes and stuff like that. But God rest his soul. God rest his soul. And uh, he's in heaven right now, so that's good. That was Thursday. Friday, Friday I did this show in 
Dumbo Brooklyn. Uh, Dumbo Brooklyn, the booker, booked me on the show. And I, I love doing shows with my friends. This comic, her name is Chanel Ali. I think she's one of the best comics in New York City. And uh, she's dating, dating, and she's dating. And I love her boyfriend as well. I love them as a couple because they support each other. And it's amazing seeing people support each other. And Chanel gave me one of the best advice when I moved to New York when I got here. And she's like, make sure you go to the places that you um, are welcome to. Because we were like talking about like open mics one time. And she was like sitting at the knitting factory doing the knitting factory. And I was like doing open mics because I just got there. I didn't know anybody. And I was like, which? And she goes, no, go to the where you ones that you can get up and the ones that you f- want to work at, where you can get stuff done. Just don't go to the places where you think you should go. I was like, that was good. And I was like, F these mics. I'm just going to shows and getting on shows, you know? But we're doing a show. She's hosting a show. My set goes well. And uh, they're giving me, they offer us food, right? And as a black dude, when people offer you food, you don't want to go all the way in because they like, offer me steak and I don't want to be the first black dude to get steak. And I was like, maybe a, a chicken pilar, a chicken pilar for me. But I don't know what a chicken pilar is because I don't be eating stuff like that. So I got a chicken pilar, which was like a chicken, imagine a taco, a ta- soft taco, but it's just with chicken, uh, with lettuce. And then my friend Stefan Hightower from St. Louis. Uh, and I was like, I was like, yeah, he can have some. I don't, I don't know. It's in a pizza box. I don't know. He goes, yeah, take this back. This is trash. I was like, hey, dog, come on. We're a guest here. <laughs> so we do that. Show was good. Show was good. And then we go down to this other show. We go back to the tiny cupboard. We're all just hanging out. Comedians just hanging out and doing. So then Saturday. Saturday is the fun day where a lot of the stuff goes down. So Saturday what happens is I'm booked on the show of Gaster. Gastor. Gastor does a lot of storytelling. And he did a storytelling show called Brief and Broccoli. Which is for... Everyone in London, so this is a London show. So it's two people tell the truth, and the other person tell a lie. So I told a lie, but it was like half a lie, half was true, about the time I met Derek Jeter. So I did meet him, but I <clears throat> I made it into a big bit. So that was really fun. That show was good, but Gastor, is, he's a man, man. He's 39, I think, 40. I don't know how old he is, but he opened his home up. He had a hammock out there, and his mom was there. He has like two houses. I think they got like seven houses. And uh, he made us cook food, so we all just sat down and had some comedy brunch, talked to his dad, which is an OG. He talked about, you know, moving to the Dominican Republic, what's it like to start all over again and stuff like that. So I was like, wow, that's uh, that's really, it was really good to just bond and have like a, a fellowship and have a fellowship with with comedians and stuff. So I sit on the hammock, and I just fall asleep because I'm effing tired, man. I sit on the freaking hammock, and... uh fall asleep, so then I we wake back up and we head down to Make It Clap Comedy Show. That's by Tiana and this dude named Billy. And uh, dope show in the park. And I, Jared, you want to get up? I was like, yep, there goes two. I'm two for two. And I see my girl Jessica, and Jessica goes, you should go to the show in Harlem, right? And I was like, she goes, that's a show by these these comedians. They're kind of fairly new on the scene. They do a show there, but last time I had a really good time, and it was super chill. I was like, all right, well, I'll go. She goes, maybe you can get up. I was like, all right, maybe I can get up. So I look at the the flyer for the show, and I notice there's a lot of big-name comics in the city, and I'm just, you know, my guess is they're not coming, right? My guess is they're not coming because sometimes when you're a new comedian to the scene, when you get a lot of big-name comics to come to your show or when you try to get them to come, they're not going to come because they have other things, and they're probably going to go to their friend's show before you 
because they don't really know you and they don't know what you can bring to the table. And if the show is free, they're probably not going to go to the show because it's free. You know, these other comics, you can still make money through this pandemic, so some comedians can't. So I go to the show, and I'm guessing. I was like, all right, some three people might show up, so I could probably go get a spot. So Alex Babbitt comes. Alex Babbitt, he's from uh, HBO Max. We're all hanging out. Did Def Comedy, and it's me, Ishmael, Shadi. Well, Shadi meets us there. We just have him. We just walk over. So one of the producers goes, hey, would you like to go to the comedy show? I said, oh, we're supposed to go to your comedy show. My friend Jessica told me about it. She said, okay. And then she just starts talking to Alex Babbitt. She says, oh, he asked you to do the show. And he's all like, yeah, 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 I can't do it. And I was like, my name is Jared Waters. And they're not, not, not dismissive, but it's just like, okay, whatever. So we're going to the show, and I notice when I'm looking, I was like, nothing but, I've noticed these, there's nothing but comedians there. And it's kind of a light show, and comedians aren't going to stay for the whole show. And uh, I noticed that the the producer, I knew, I saw that she was tearing up. I walked outside, and I knew that she was tearing up, and I asked the guy, I was like, what's wrong? So she's like, you know, kind of upset because, you know, like a lot of people didn't come. A lot of people came for the first time. And this is just me, you know, and I'm not being rude. I'm just like sometimes when you punch up in comedy, right? I know you're, she's new to the scene. But like sometimes when you when you book a show and you don't book the people that you meet at open mics or book the people that you might know, comedians support each other. So even like when I do my show, I'll give a young comic a spot because I know his friends will come and support him. He needs that. He needs that. If you book a whole bunch of big name acts, if if you don't have a personal relationship with them, they're personally probably not going to show up because they have other stuff to do. So we might book like maybe one, one, but everyone else. I'm booking comics that are in the swamp with me. I'm booking comics that are like me. So everyone's emailing me about what happened with this viral, not viral video, but what happened with this woman that threw a chair at me. So this is what happened. I, the reason why I didn't put no sound on the video is because you're more interested and it gives you to create your own narrative. What do you think is going to happen? Like I, was, I don't use the microphone to like disrespect people. And what happened was a comic before me, she was, this woman was inside a, a building, like two buildings down, and she was up in the balcony, and she starts heckling this comedian. And he's not, he's really just like talking, he's like telling her like, hey, can you go back inside? The show's only over in five minutes. Can you like do it like that? So I'm like, okay. So uh, the booker, you know, she wants to put Alex up, but Alex goes, I'm lit. I can't get up. And he goes, she goes, can you go up? I said, I can. And she goes, are you sober? I'm like, the freak, oh, excuse me. I'm like, girl, like, am I sober? Yeah, I'm sober. I was like, can you go up? I was like, I can't go up. And in my mind, you know, I shouldn't go up on the show because, you know, I felt like if you're in this, not, it's not a slight to them. It's in the comedian scene. If you're not above, if you're not with the scene, you wouldn't know who the comics are in the swamp. You wouldn't know these comedians. You wouldn't know who I was if you're not, if you're just coming into it. If you're just looking from the outside, you're just looking at big names. But if you're in the pandemic scene, you know, effing Jared Waters is out here every freaking night, you know. So what happened is this lady down, lady, she's on top of a roof, and she's heckling. She's from East Europe. I don't know where she's from. Some people think Brazil. doesn't matter where she's from. And she's drunk out of her mind. Clearly, she's drunk out of her mind. She's heckling a comedian. She's heckling a comedian, saying, you don't need to be here. This is a private area. You should not be here. Go home. Go home, Miss Private Area. I'm calling the police. So the comedian, and he's just telling her, like, go back inside. It's okay. So they bring me up. I'm going up on stage, and I address what's going on. I say, hey, this is what happens when you gentrify Harlem because this show is in Harlem. So all the comedians start laughing and stuff like that. You gentrify Harlem. 
we go back and forth, and it's not really things. It's just like making fun of her. I'm just like, what is your, where's your husband at? How is he letting you hang outside of a balcony at 11 o'clock at night? What is he doing? And then she goes, what? He, what, not what? So, so, and she's yelling out what she's doing when I'm on set is she's yelling out positive things. So it's not really heckling because she's saying, you are so funny in an, an aggressive way. You are so funny. Ha, ha, ha. That was funny. I was like, this is, thank you. This is very supportive. This is very supportive. Thank you so much. And when a person's being belligerent, I've dealt with a lot of people. I've diffused situations. When you're dealing with a police officer, you're dealing with anyone else, the best thing to do is accept whatever they're saying and keep moving forward because eventually they'll be quiet because you're not battling them. You're, you know, you're just saying, okay, I agree with you. I am great. I am funny, Right. So I was like, so I threw a little jab. I was like, it's like listening to Ricky Lake, right? When you want to get your opinion out and then you just keep cutting because we're just not giving her the opportunity to disrupt the show anymore because the show's rolling. I got the people's attention. We can keep pushing through the jokes because there's some people still there. Correct? So all of a sudden, I was like, it must suck, you know, being older and hearing black voices because I know you remember when we black people couldn't have opinions. And... And then she goes, she just leaves. She leaves. It's over. So everyone's having a good show. And what happens is she's two buildings away. So she walks outside, and there's a comedian supposed to do the door. Now, that's what I said when you're doing comedy shows. And if you're not, is this your first comedy show? There's certain things that you would know you would do, but it's their second show. So they don't know. They're going to learn. You know, they'll probably get better. But uh, the dude doing the door just lets her inside, right? And his job at the door is to do a temperature check. He doesn't do a temperature check. He just lets her in. And the reason why I don't want to post audio of it because there's too many comedians in the room. There's too many comedians in the room. No one knows how to take themselves off of being a comedian and understand what's happening now, right? So there's some comedians, Alex, you know, he's just recording, which is being other comedians are just kind of like clout chasing a little bit. You're trying to, def instead of diffusing the situation, you're making it worse because you're yelling at a person who's deranged. And when a person is deranged, the worst thing you can do to a person is to make it worse by telling them to shut up or to, like, get in front of their face, right? Because people just want to yell. They can yell. I, I've been around several kids that have thrown several chairs at me. It never hits me. When people are upset and they're throwing a chair, they're throwing it to let you know that I'm upset. They're not going to do it. I didn't even flinch because I know if you're going to throw a chair, you would have got a whole lot closer. You're 99 years old throwing a chair with your, <laughs> with your weak arms. So what made her throw the chair was, what made her throw the chair, so the lady who threw the chair at me, what made her throw the chair was she's upset, you know, comedians are trying to tell her to be quiet. So I tell, so Alex goes, yo, just let Jared handle it. Let Jared handle it. And he knows what he's doing. Clearly, I've been in worse situations than this. I'm not scared of an old woman in pajamas trying to hurt me because she's never going to do that. So she goes, I'm going to sit on the show. I sit down because I'm not black. I said, what did you say to me? She goes, every night I cannot go to sleep because you are here every night making noise i was like girl i just this is the first time i was here and then here comes comedians trying to add on but i got it i don't need any assist you know so i i try to go to sleep but i can't cause you because you are up every night making me not sleep so i'm going to sit here i'm going to sit there f you f you so I'm like, all right, so now I got her inside the show. So now it's like that. So it's, it's not going to be a battle. I have the microphone, so I have control. And she goes, you called me Blake, and I'm not Blake. I'm white. I said, no, you are black. So now I know the game is what's upsetting you is you're black. I am not black. I'm white. I said, no, you are blackity black. You are black. Look at me, Kunta Kinta. You are black. I am not black. I am white. I said, no, 
you a blick. So she she takes a chair and throws it. But if you're going to throw a chair, you would get close to me. You're throwing a chair from my... Yes, you Oh, you can't throw a chair that far. So I was like, oh, all right, with those ugly shoes. And I was like, you should try throwing the black chair. So she goes against the black chair and tries to throw it at me. But Alex and everyone steps in. And that's pretty much it, you know? She was like, clearly she's deranged. She's drunk. It's it's not a big deal. For other people, it seems like a big deal because some comics would freak out on stage. But the worst thing, the best thing to do is to keep your composure. You keep your composure, they're going to start realizing, like, I'm the deranged one. No, I seem crazy. But when there's a lot of people talking back to her, when you hear a lot of voices, you don't seem that crazy because now you're in engagement with other people. So I'll play a clip because I got the footage. Everyone who else posted footage doesn't have the right footage. I posted the footage. Here's, uh, here we go right here. Hold on, let me turn it on. Let him handle it. Let him handle it. Let me tell you something. Ladies and gentlemen, I had a teacher that looked like you, right? So this is Alex Babbitt, like, yelling at the the other comedians, like, let him handle it. Like, he knows what he's doing, right? So this is pretty much uh, where it happens, where she throws throws the chair. She throws a chair, and she's upset. But, uh, you know, it's just an average day in stand-up comedy, folks. It's not that big of a deal. But it was a good lesson for those young comedians. Sometimes you don't know who's in the room. And it's a it's a dope show. I'm not going to lie. It's a dope show. They give you free drinks, everything else. But to make the show better, and it's crazy now because a lot of comics are hitting me up like, oh, who books this show? Who books this show? And I was like, yeah, look, now you got more clout for your show now. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's fine. I'm fine. Nobody's going to throw a chair at me, like, for real. And to the people in the comments telling me to slam an old lady, like, relax. This isn't wrestling in the 90s. Like, you can't slam no old woman in this society. <laughs> I mean, in general, sorry, in general, I mean, it's still not cool at all. But I'm saying in wrestling, they used to just throw chicks through tables and stuff like that. And I'm definitely not down with that. So that was that. So as a community, we're a comedy community. I'm a part of the comedy community. So I'm talking to other comedians. So they're like, Jared, tell me about what happened. Why didn't you put sound? Why didn't you do that? And I was like, I didn't put sound because it's more interesting. There is no sound. I'm giving you the, it's like art. You create art so you can do it. Silent art. You could create your own narrative and, Think whatever you think happens, you know? I'm the only one that knows. I was there. So, and the comics are hitting me up. What did you say? What did you say? I'm trying to figure out what you said. I need the thing. So clearly, if I'm not posting the sound, other comedians should not post the sound because I don't want it with sound. Like, I don't, you're taking my videos and doing that. Like, I don't, no one needs your input on this. I, I got it. Just cut the sound. It's better. Like, you're creating a narrative. Let people know this is how you handle it. And it's just too many comedians talking in the video, you know, like I don't need help on stage at all. I've never needed help on stage for anything. So that was uh, Friday night. That was Saturday night. That was Saturday night. Sunday night at two shows. And it's cool because now I'm meeting comics like, yo, how did you do this show? So Sunday night, uh, Sunday, we're shooting a documentary. We're still recording the documentary. And uh, it's really good. We're getting great footage. Uh, I got my man Julio, Stefan, and Jared inside there, and we're talking about, you know, what's it like stand up in the pandemic. And uh, I think I, I'm gonna wrap up. Okay, I'm just reading some emails. Did you go? Okay, yes, I did go to the tiny cover. I did the tiny cover at 7:30, and then I did it at 10:30, and I watched the Los Angeles Lakers win the championship, folks. I'm gonna be honest. I I do think this is a prediction that might be a wild prediction. I think LeBron James might three-peat. I think he might three-peat. I think the Lakers, if they keep Rajon Rondo and they keep all these big seven-footers, I think they can do it. 
defense and just rebound, they could three-peat. I think they're going to win the second championship next year. And when LeBron James' son gets in the NBA, the Lakers are going to draft him or trade to draft him. LeBron and the son wins a championship together. That's how LeBron leads the NBA. That's how he does it. He has three, maybe four seasons left, and he's done. He's not going to be playing like that at 41. That's well, Actually, we don't know. He probably can't play like that at 41. Jordan was kind of old when he was playing. But that was it. Congratulations to the Los Angeles Lakers. To everyone emailing me about One Tree Hill, I'm about to shoot an episode of that. I actually had it, but, you know, death and all this other stuff has happened in my family. So uh, we're back on it. We're going to be back on it. Uh, next week, we're going to be shooting. We're shooting the documentary again, so please email me. Keep emailing me. Also, Wednesday, we're dropping uh, the episode, the interview episode on Wednesday instead of Tuesday because today is Indigenous Day. And it's a holiday for the people. But shout out to all the raging Karens out there. I appreciate it. You guys make stand-up a whole lot better. Uh, this Wednesday we'll be in Astoria Park. Astoria Park at 7 o'clock by the pools. Have a wonderful day wherever you are in this world. G-Dub will take us out with that theme song music. Big dog. Hey, you're live on the podcast. One man, one tree in a hill. Say what up to the people. Now this is when I see black excellence. It's Kenan Thompson. And I see this giant butt. I'm like, oh, who is that? Turns out it's Questlove. It's Dave Chappelle. Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy, and they're all sitting at the table, and I walk up to Eddie Murphy, and I was like, hey, Mr. Murphy, I just want to say you're the GOAT, man, and you're the coldest that ever walked the face of the earth. You gotta break that thing over. She wants it private, but y'all not even together right now. So we haven't spoken about anything but the cat for at two least months. two months. And then I said, and I said, uh-uh, and I'm be the next Jamar Neighbors. And she was up like, I know that's right! <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the podcast. My name is Jerry Waters, and I'll catch you next time. Like, subscribe, rate the podcast. Have a wonderful night, wonderful day, whatever you're listening to. I'll see you soon.